Yeah, I was going to give you a little recap last week from, um, from the text. We came from the text of where Jesus basically, peace be still, I think was Matthew's version in the gospel, where they're going across the Sea of Galilee, right? And, um, you know, the winds pick up and the waves pick up and the disciples wake him up. Jesus is snoozing, remember? And, and he basically steps up and tells, tells the wind, speaks to the wind and the waves. That's crazy, right? He's having a conversation <laughs> with water. That's pretty neat. <laughs> anyway, so he speaks to the winds and the waves. Peace be still. And last week we, we said briefly, um, trusting in Jesus is knowing he is in control of everything that we are not. Knowing that Jesus is in control of everything that we are not. The problem with the disciples when they approach Jesus is that they were struggling in their fear. Have you seen a theme in the book of Luke where we are? Is the devil try, or is God trying to tell us something about what the devil is telling us? Right? So the point is, is they did not understand that everything that was out of their control was what? In his control. So remember that as a review from last week because we didn't really air the message. I don't think we did at all because it was a lot of uh, discussion. Number two, the last thing was delivering our fear to him in exchange for faith. So we, we talked about it a little bit during worship this morning. Uh, Jesus said to the disciples, where is your faith? Amen. Right? And, and I turned the text. If you read back through the story before we're going to deal with this morning's passage. He was asking them, where is your faith? Because their hands were full of fear. So if we are going to show Jesus our faith, he, according to 1 Peter, is asking us to give him our fear. Okay, Casting, the Bible says in Peter, cast your care upon him, for he what? Careth for you. So the Gospels here, as we're making our way through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, the point is, is before we move into this story of the maniac of Gadara, uh, we have to understand where they're coming from. From the Sea of Galilee, from this moment where he just taught the disciples a very valuable lesson. Everything that is around you, that is out of your control, is in my control. And number two, I want you to give me your fear so that I can see your faith. Okay? So let's, let's consider those two things. Uh, and they marveled at what Jesus said. Now, verse 26, looking in the text there. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you in the pew back, and it'll be on the screens. But we'll go to some passages of Scripture uh, that are not on the screen. Verse number 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadareans, which is over against Galilee. So we talked about the Sea of Galilee, right? A 13-mile uh, body of water. And that was the body of water that we dealt with, the waves and the storms, coming off of the northern mountains, very mountainous terrain. And when that wind comes down and hits the water, it begins to be very turbulent. So Jesus is saying, in the turbulent winds and rains and seas... Trust in me. And when that lesson was had and they traveled over to a, another city, the Gadareans uh, was against the, the Sea of Galilee. And when they went forth, verse 27, to land, there met him out of the city a certain man. Now, two other gospel accounts say that there were men. There were two men that met them. And this is something that I just think I'll just briefly touch on this. Uh, there's always a skeptic and a scoffer that's willing to say, see, that's a contradiction, right? Why do the gospel accounts say different things? Because it's a different person's perspective of the story. There are things that Matthew is trying to say, and there are things that Luke is trying to say in this story. It's not a contradiction. Both things happened. If we accept the word of God for face value, then we know that according to Matthew's account, that there were other demoniacs there, too, at least. But Luke is interested in what? In his account, this one man, right? So it's not a contradiction. It's another aspect of the story. Genesis works the same way in the way that the creation account is unfolded. So don't, don't let people tell you that they are, uh, I'll go toe-to-toe with anybody, and I'm not the smartest guy, I'm not the, the sharpest knife in the drawer, uh, but it's fairly easy for me to talk about the Bible openly uh, with any cynic and scoffer and just say, now, now wait a minute, you're saying this, but have you ever considered it 
from this perspective. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is working, moving, breathing in our lives. And it's saying it the way it's trying to say it because it's the thing that's doing the work in our lives. It's not your logic that will unlock the Word of God. The Word of God unlocks your logic. The Word of God does a work in your mind and in your heart. It's not up to us to do the work on the Word of God to figure out what the Word of God is trying to accomplish. No, the Word of God accomplishes its work and does not return void. Rant over. Okay. Uh, Anyway, verse 27. uh, I'm using my laptop today. I forgot my my iPad in my work truck. (laughs) And I didn't make it over there this morning to grab it. So anyway, that's why I have my laptop up here. Verse 27. And when he went forth to land, there met him out a certain man, which had devils long time. Which had... (laughs) That just sounds funny. Anyway, we'll leave that there. And wear no clothes. Neither abode in any house, but in what? The tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou, say the next few words, Son of God Most High. Mm-mm-mm. I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirits, this is a parenthetical phrase, right? For he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man, for oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands. This is another one of those moments. They're giving you insight. Luke is giving you insight into this man. This man just dropped to his knees and said, uh, Jesus, uh, thou son of the most high God, this is out of character for him. Do you see that? Verse 29 says, he breaks the bands and was driven out of the devil into the wilderness. Verse 30, and Jesus asked him, saying, this is just crazy, what is thy name? And he said, what is it? Legion. Is Jesus having a conversation with the man or with the demon? Won't, won't. Interesting. When it's 12.15, can you throw something at me, Jim? Appreciate it. For oft times it had caught him. Verse 30, Jesus asked him, what is thy name? It's legion. Tail end of verse 30. Because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him, the demons besought him, that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there an herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that, that he would not suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. It's <laughs> funny, isn't it? And they, they went into the devils out of the man and entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and were choked. And when they that fed them, the shepherds, the farmers, saw what they had done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found a man out of whom the devils were departed. Check this out. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, uh, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were what? Wait a minute. Why were they scared? What was it, Rich? Okay. They also, which saw it, told them by what means that he possessed of the devils that were healed. Exactly. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes, this is kind of sad, Round about him, besought him to depart from them. Get out of here, Jesus. For they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. And then we have another, another part of the story that it's just kind of cluing you in. Now the man that out of whom the devils were departed besought him. Who? Jesus. That he might be with him. Those who Jesus changes become followers of him. Amen. Just a little thought was free, okay? But Jesus sent him away, saying, verse 39, Return to thine own house, show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout, that that means he shared on Twitter, throughout the whole city, how great things Jesus had done unto him. Son, let's pray. Father God, we love you. We cherish Jesus as our greatest treasure. A field that has buried treasure in it, Father. The man, knowing that the treasure was there, Went, sold all that he had and bought that field. That's us. Father, we want to sell everything we have that does not have to do with Jesus. And we want to buy into the kingdom. We want to be gospel presenters. We want to live gospel-centered lives. That's our prayer. Help us, Holy Spirit, in your Son's name. Amen.
Stay with me quickly. I'm going to fly through this. The title of the message today is A Sane Follower. Here's my observations. I'm going to roll. I'm rolling. You ready? My observations, the maniac felt more comfortable around the dead than the living. Do you agree? Okay. The maniac felt more comfortable around the dead than the living. These aren't my points. These are just my observations. The demons immediately recognized Jesus as the second part of the Trinity. Look back at the text. They said, Thou Son of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The demons immediately recognized Jesus for who He was. Hello, Pharisees. Everyone around that region that were trying to say that He was what? Not Jesus. Not the Messiah. Even the demons, as soon as they saw Him, went, Oh my goodness, Son of God, uh, please don't throw us into the pigs. Interesting observation, right? The demons knew their end-time prophecy. Another observation. The demons knew that their fate was to be what? Destroyed. The devil knows his time is limited. That's what, that's what we're getting. Uh, please please just, just let us run around the tombs for a little bit longer. We're really enjoying this car that we have, this vehicle that we have called the Maniac of Gadara. It's been fun. It's been real. Can, can you extend it a little bit longer? Charge my credit card. <laughs> For my physical body Uber, right? That's what they were saying to Jesus. Maybe that's a little too far. The, the maniac was giving, watch this, was given supernatural power from the demons. He was oft times in chains and what? Break them. How many of you, I mean, some of you look like you can break some chains, you know what I'm saying? Break every chain. But, but the point is, is, the maniac was in chains and what? Broke them. Is that normal, yes or no? So let's just get the picture of what's happening here. They're walking on shore, and I'm once again thinking about the disciples. You know where I'm going with this. Jesus immediately begins to have a conversation with the demon before anything ever happens. And I can just see the disciples out there. That man looks like he can break me in half. (laughs) Right? Scared. We are always worried about what Jesus is not worried about. Do you see that? The man could break chains. Jesus was like, what's your name? Legion. (laughs) Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's so interesting to think that the thing that I would have been scared of, I'd have been like, y'all go on ahead. I'm going to go over to Jerusalem and see the Holy Land. I'm going to go get baptized in the Jordan River. You know what I'm saying? I don't want nothing to do with the Gadareans. I would be scared. The man could break chains. Hello. (laughs) Look, I'm flesh. Jesus had control over the demons, yes or no? Yes, these are just my observations according to the text. The shepherds saw what Jesus did, and they went and told others. Do we agree about that? Okay. The townspeople were scared more of the power of Jesus than the maniac. Do we agree on that? Yeah. They said, "Uh, why don't you pack up everything that you got going on and get back in your boat and go wherever the heck you came from? The Son of God. That's how backwards the world is. That's how upside down their thinking is. The man that could literally give them life, they would rather have had the death. For the wages of sin is death. And in our flesh, Paul said, dwelleth no good thing And in our flesh, we make very poor decisions to put Jesus out and to accept the death that is in our life. What is up? I'm going to get to that one, I think, in in, in a minute. The townspeople were more scared of the power of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. The maniac wanted to follow Jesus after he was healed. Yes or no? Yeah. I need to make, like, signs for you guys. Yes or no? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Bingo. No. Jesus told him to go home and witness of simply Jesus. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, I'm glad that we could agree on all those things. Listen to this. Early hunters on the safari in Africa used to build their fires high at night in order to keep away the animals in the bush. But when the fire burned low in the early hours of the morning, they would see all around them the approaching outline shapes and the animals, uh, their eyes, their beady little eyes right coming in. A ring of animals encircling eyes in the darkness. 
But when the fire was high, they were what? Afar off. But when the fire was low, they approached again. As we have witnessed the erosion and the breakdown of the Christian culture of the West, so we have seen the vacuum filled by an upsurge of ideas that would have been unthinkable when the fires of Christian culture were high. In the bush, what protected them? The fire rose up and it would push back all the dangers that would come and consume. And as soon as the fire burned low, they would crouch in. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But years ago, when the revivals of Christianity were burning hot and the fire was high, the demons were nowhere to be found. But now the fire in our churches has burned low. The Holy Spirit is something that is foreign. He is not something that is activated in our lives. And therefore, oh my goodness gracious, every Christian is encircled in these demons. They're all around them. They're oppressing them. They're pushing on them. And all we have to do is turn up the fire of the Holy Ghost of God and they will go. Has anybody seen that in our culture? It's not, I'm getting there, I'm not, I told myself I wasn't going to get ahead of myself. We need to become obsessed with Jesus. In this story, they didn't want Him. We need Him. We need to become obsessed with Jesus. The central supernatural event in the Bible is the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. God in human flesh. The one who perfectly reveals God to man. In our lives, we have an incredible miracle. The God of heaven came down and put on flesh. And He's here for us. And we would rather get some Ouija board out and call some kind of spirit or some medium or some something that will tie us to the supernatural world. And God said, did I not give you enough cool things that happened in the Word of God just to get obsessed with me? Time has passed. Distance has passed. The fire has gone low. We have forgotten how powerful the Holy Spirit is. That's like men, on average, who leave their wives for adultery. Any man with common sense would look at the one he committed adultery with and go, she's way uglier than your wife. Right? It's a statistic. Look it up. That's one of the first things. I, I don't do a lot of marriage counseling, but when I do, I'm like, The grass ain't greener, bro. (laughs) Know what I'm saying? God put you with her for a reason and your covenant marriage shows the body of Christ God's grace. That's something that no woman out there could give you. That's powerful. That will raise good children. That will bring gospel into your life. That will bring light to a lost world. What will adultery bring you? A sin against your body. It will bring death to your relationships. I'll take adultery. (laughs) That's stupidity. But that's the type of decisions that we make every day because of complacency. The fire can be as hot as you want it. I guess we don't have kids in here. That's true in your marriage too. (laughs) It can be as hot as you want it. My baby mama in here? Cut that off the tape. I was like, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) We have to become obsessed with Jesus. I'm obsessed with money. I'm obsessed with power. I'm obsessed with greed. You're obsessed with all the things that the devil just keeps dropping in your path. None of them are as good as him. There will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will come a day for a thousand years that He will reign and the fire will burn so hot. Every demon, including the devil, will be locked for a thousand years. And we will, I mean, we're going to be like, what do we do? We, we just serve Jesus. You can have that power now. Greater is He that has turned up the fire in you. She's fine. She's feeling it. Then he that is in the world. I'm getting ahead of myself. There it is. Christmas time is time to show them who Jesus is. Amen. Christmas. Christ Jesus. The first advent. The new year 
It's time to show the world the power that is available to keep my resolution. Springtime. Easter is coming. He is risen. Summertime. Hell is going to be hotter. You better go to the one who controls the ocean. Not just go down to the ocean, hon. Fall. It's time to finally accept the things that will die during this season of life. And that Jesus is the only thing that will keep us forever green. Christmas time. Time to show them again who Jesus is. That's the seasons of a Christian. That's the seasons of someone who is serving our King of kings and Lord of lords. That's somebody who's turning the fire hot. Christmas. Oh my gosh. Let me just get up on a soapbox real quick and just tell you that we've missed it. Something that they need, something that they want. Help me, babe. Something to wear, something to read. Four things. We're going to try it. We're going to get our children four things for Christmas. Something that they need, something that they want, something that they wear, and something that they read. That's it. Your children are being shaped, and you're shaping them to be little devils. Let's just turn the fire up in their lives. It's And the root is selfishness. And now I feel the conflict. I get it because now I have kids. It's so hard, isn't it? You just want to give them everything. But you can't. They don't understand. They're sinners. Just go ahead and throw some water on the fire and tell them that it's about things. It's time somebody stands up and says, we're either going to reach this generation with Jesus or we're going to fail miserably and make it to heaven with no rewards whatsoever. You're either going to do it right or you're going to do it wrong. The Word of God tells us how to do it right. Hey, Pastor Matt, why don't you go back part-time when you don't have any time to write your sermons or anything like that? We don't really want you here for that. <laughs> Message isn't popular. Church, we have to become obsessed with Jesus. On a scale of 1 to 10, this is I'm not asking you to answer this. Please do not. How obsessed with your children with Jesus? How obsessed are they with Jesus? That's the level that you're succeeding or failing as a parent. In your marriage, how obsessed are you together with Jesus? That's the level that you're succeeding or failing. Simply Jesus, that sounds really great. That's a great tagline for a church. Are you really obsessed? Does it, is it really translating into your life where it's simply Him? On a scale of 1 to 10, where's your obsession with Jesus? About a 2.5. Church, we can do better. We can do better. Man, it's kind of quiet. I don't really know why. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through, 10, 1 through 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times... Uh-oh. Would, would any of you agree with me? Remember your yes or no paddle. Ready? Yes or no, okay? 1 Timothy, Paul writing to the young preacher. That's me. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. That means only that in the latter times... How many would agree that we are living in the end times? Yes or no? Was that a yes? yes. Or a no? How many are for no? Okay, so we all agree that it's a yes? yes? We're in latter times. So does this scripture apply to us? Yes? yes. Alright, perfect. In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Watch this. Oh my goodness. Giving heed. This was written about 2,000 years ago. Giving heed to seducing spirits. And devils. Teachings of devils. Speaking lies, oh, 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 in hypocrisy. How many, have we seen that in the church? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Y-A-S. Yes. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. All right, so we're about to do some hard work. This is where I'm just telling you uh, we're making a transition in the sermon, right? We've built up. The text and where we are, and now it's time to kind of apply the text. Are we ready? Okay. How many of you would say, once again, please don't answer this, you've been a little seared in your conscience. You've been living in such a way that you have a hard time discerning of whether or not you're being led by the doctrine of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of simply Jesus, right? And possibly... Somebody could be leading you down another path. And you woke up one day and you didn't even realize it. He got you on something little. 
watching you for your entire life. Just watching you fade. Paul said, Timothy, tell the church that in the latter days, they're going to be seduced by spirits. They're going to be led astray. They're going to leave the doctrine of the Word of God. And they're going to say that there's errancy in Scripture. Jesus was just a prophet. He wasn't the second person of the Trinity. Huh. I think that that text is probably more applicable to our church nowadays, the church, than just about any other text. Let me tell you something. We aren't here to feel good. We're here to show the world that he is good. We're not here to feel good. We're here to show the world that he what? Is good. We're not here to what? We're not here to what? We're here to show the world that what? He is good. Say it with me. He is good. It would be a shame for you to live in bondage when you could have been set free. Ephesians 2 says that God quickens us from our sins, makes us alive, took us from the Father of all lies, and introduced us to the eternal truth of Jesus Christ. It says He quickened us. He made us alive. We were dead bones. And He said, dead bones come alive. And when we are now alive, we are alive in Jesus. He is protecting us. He is guiding us through the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Let me ask you this question. What makes you a maniac? Let's talk about the maniac for two minutes here. What made him a maniac when you were being used as a holding tank for the devil? That's internal. The Bible, when Jesus shows up, describes a conversation between Jesus and the what? The demon. Which was where? Inside of him. The problem is, is what makes us crazy, what makes us a maniac, not in a good way, is when we allow ourselves to hold things that we should not be holding. I'm going to speak truth into you here. Jesus had to handle the demons first. I got to speak to the problem first before we can move on to having good, solid Christian living. Some of you are holding something that you need to let go of. This is now two weeks in a row. Number two, according to the holding tank of the devil, what do I need to speak to today? That's the inside. So let me ask you this question. What are you holding? What have you allowed to seduce you in? And you've given them an end to your heart. The Bible says the heart is the seat of the emotions, if you interpret that through etymology. Like, the heart. I'm not talking about the dum-dum-dum-dum. I'm saying your emotional makeup. If Jesus was here right now, and he is via the word of God, would he have a conversation with, I'm going to pick on you because you're almost front row. I was going to pick on Bethany, but then I decided to pick on you instead, okay? Aren't you glad you can? Joe, I'm so glad you're here. I love you, bro. Would Jesus have a conversation with Joe? Or would he have a conversation with Joe's demons? When you go to God, and I'm not trying to get lost in the minutia of can a child of God be possessed by a devil? I don't believe so. But you know what I'm saying. To apply this, for it to be applicable to us, we have to understand that the devil has seduced us to holding things that are second rate to even the demons. I'm going to give you the for instance that we've been talking about, fear. If he'll speak to the wind and the waves, do you think he'll speak to your fear? What makes you a maniac? When you hold something internally other than Jesus. He said your body is a temple for the Holy Ghost, not for fear. What makes you crazy when you hold things that aren't him? This is so simple, but how many of you are holding things right now? I just want to speak life into each one of you and tell you, you don't have to hold it. It'll make you crazy. It'll make you nuts. You'll run. You'll be secluded. You won't be able to get anything out of the Word of God, anything out of your prayer life. Whatever has taken root in your heart, maybe it's bitterness. You couldn't let it go. It's taken root. It's growing. It's now a tear. It's now a weed. It's something that is inside. And if Jesus were here, God bless you. He would rebuke it. He would remove it. He would rip that thing out right now so that He could say, 
Joe, how are you? Are you doing okay? And then you're like, what just happened? Jesus just took your fear. He just took your frustration. He took your bitterness. What else makes you crazy? When you were living among the dead. What made him crazy? When he was what? Living among the dead. We already said, I went ahead of myself. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 13 tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Is the Bible alive? (laughs) Then why are we settling for dead manuscripts and what other people think about us, a.k.a. social media, to tell us how to live? You know the best way to be crazy? Live among the dead. Live among a bunch of sinners who are bitter and mad at God. You know what I'm saying. Live among that family member that just can't get over that problem. I'm not saying don't love them. I'll go there in a second. What will make you crazy? Holding something that's not Jesus. What will make you crazy? Living among the dead. We don't have time for that mess. Those dead relationships, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. No joke. Like, why, are, why seek ye the living among the dead? Man, that was, that, that was a good scripture. Write that one down. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He is risen. Everything else is alive. The devil is going to seduce you into thinking that money is something that you can live with, surround yourself by, accomplish works with it. You're only accomplishing something that's what? Dead. That's going to burn up. Keep moving, Matt, because Jim's about to throw something at you. Let's make decisions for life. Quickly, go to 1 Corinthians 3.9. Quickly. You have to see this. First Corinthians 3, 9 Corinthians 3.9 For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Whoa. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, Paul said, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth upon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Some of you are a shell. You ever driven by those properties that they ran out of money, and you just got bare walls? Nothing in them, and they're trying to sell the house, but it's nothing of what it could be worth if they would have finished it. If the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you as a temple, the Bible says that He will seal you under the day of redemption. That means He'll make you airtight to where nothing that shouldn't be in there won't get in there. Mm. For other foundations, verse 11, can no man that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. What you're doing with your life is going to be seen at the judgment seat of Christ. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man slash woman's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer. What's the next word? Loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? This is the context for that scripture. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. That scripture, you need to go unpack that, read that, own that. The Bible says that at the end of your life, everything will be burned away if you did it for the wrong reason. You'll be saved because you trusted in Jesus, but nothing you do will be or will receive a reward. How many of you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Yes, I want what I'm doing to count. I want what I'm building to count for eternity. Who cares about the 70 years on earth? Who gives a flying leap about what your coworker thinks about how crazy you are about Jesus? 
There's going to come. I mean, I'm nuts. You get that? You see it? Woo! Crazy. I don't care. Because you know what? I'm not crazy in him. You're holding something that's making you crazy. You're holding something that is deteriorating your spiritual walls from the inside out. Now, it said gold and silver, wood, hand, stubble. So in other words, how are you stewarding? I only have two minutes. How are you stewarding? Are y'all okay? How are you stewarding what God has given you? If you have, I had a man, I'm not even going to, if you don't make a funny face, no one will know who you are. (laughs) I had a man text me this week. Pastor Matt, my heart is to give. I can't necessarily give financially right now, but what I can give is time. Please tell me what I can do. And I'll put my talents to work for the Lord. He's stewarding what he what? Has. That is what is required of us. If we have finances, gold, silver, we are to steward it for God's kingdom. Many of you do this on a regular basis. You said it last week. I'm open for a conversation. If anybody wants to talk to me about how you steward your finances. There are a few in here that steward what God has given them very well. Because they, they are interested in using their finances for the work of God. You understand? Church, the devil is attacking you. He's trying to seduce you out into the open where there's no light, where the animals will come and feed on you. In the end, if you're saved, if you've trusted Jesus, you'll be saved. But what reward have ye? We're not, I'm not preaching sinless perfection. I'm not preaching you to be perfect. I'm just preaching be a holding tank for the Holy Spirit. Because if you're not, it'll make you crazy. Number three, when you would rather be around the demon-possessed instead of Jesus. What makes you crazy? I'm moving from the maniac to the city. The city said, why don't you get in your what? Why don't you get in your boat and get out of here? The city was crazy. At that point in the story, there's a shift. Now it's the maniac town, not the maniac of Gadara. When the maniac is sitting there clothed in his right mind, they should be saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain. And they said, take your stuff and get out of here. That makes, in my book, that makes them crazy. They're denying the power of of the Bible. A saying attributed to G. K. Chesterton, whose apologetic writings were instrumental in C.S. Lewis's conversation to Christianity, is that when people cease to believe in God, they do not cease to believe in nothing. They believe in anything. What makes an atheist isn't the fact that he doesn't believe in anything. It makes him an atheist when he believes in anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? I may have said that backwards, but I hope you know what I mean. I don't believe in God. Okay, if you, if you don't believe in God, that means you'll believe in anything. Oh, you believe in something. What makes you sane, church? I could stand here and preach for another hour, believe it or not. I probably could. On what makes you crazy. How many of you feel like sometimes the devil just makes you crazy? Come on, you can, you can testify. It's cool. Right here, my hand's up. Yes or no? Yes! It's been crazy! Lord knows! I I mean, crazy sometimes. And my wife, thank God she stays with me. I don't even know why. (laughs) Crazy, yes or no, babe? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But you know what? My desire is to be sane. Not the way the world sees me, but the way that what? He sees me. So according to this text, was there someone that walked away from the story saying yes or no? Who was he? Wasn't the legion. (laughs) They died. They died in the water. It was the maniac. The one who was crazy walked away sane. How? Does any of you know? When Jesus saves you, you're sane. Hey, church. Church. Oh, you're okay. Don't worry about it. That sounds angelic. <laughs> We're still going to baptize it, though. Put it in the no. <laughs> Put it in the water. <laughs> Church. What makes us sane? 
when Jesus saves us. You're staring at coworkers. Man, that darn thing's wearing me out. You're staring at coworkers. You're staring at family members, friends that, if not saved, you have to literally look at them as someone that has a condition. You're not right. And we're saved not because we deserve it, but because Jesus loved us, set his affection on us, showed us something that we could not see. So therefore, we don't have the marketing edge on the gospel. The gospel is for everyone. So therefore, I'm going to look at the world and say, you know how to be sane? Let Jesus save you. If you're sitting here today and you just don't know, you don't know how to get your thinking straight. You don't know how to end the vicious cycles. Have you ever put your faith and trust in Jesus? If you haven't, he'll save you today just as you are. He'll give you a home in heaven. He'll he'll seal you with his Holy Spirit. He wants you to show your love to him by living holy. He'll even reward that. But that's not a prerequisite. That's a benefit of being saved. How do we become sane? When Jesus saves us, when Jesus dresses us, I'm, I, I need to do this next week, but the Bible says that he gives us his righteousness. How many of you believe that when Jesus saves you, he doesn't leave you naked? Amen. He clothes you. Amen. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, they were what? Ashamed. What does that mean? It means that now when we're saved, brought back into the family of God, that we need new clothes. The clothes are His righteousness. The Bible says He clothes you in His righteousness. That when the Father looks at you, He doesn't see a naked, vulnerable sinner. He sees a clothed child of God. How are you sane? Because He's clothed you. That man, that crazy man was... Now, seated. What does that mean? The connotation in the Greek means that he was listening to a teacher. The Bible says that he was seated at the feet of Jesus. Jesus saved him. Jesus clothed him. And Jesus taught him. How are you sane when Jesus is teaching you? That man was seated at Jesus' feet. When was the last time you just sat at the feet of Jesus and said, teach me? Wash over me through a small group study, through a U version passage of the day. Time you just let it wash over you. If you're struggling with being sane, hopefully you're saved. Hopefully you're clothed in his righteousness. Hopefully you're being taught by Jesus. The man was healed. When Jesus approaches someone and saves them, he doesn't play around, he fixes what's broken. And then the last thing he said, uh, I know you want to follow me. I know you want to come with me. But there are others that need me. Go back home and share what I'm doing in your heart and in your life. How do you become sane? You've got to share simply Jesus. I firmly believe that a lot of Christians are edgy. They're Uh, sometimes unkind because it's pinned up. You know what I mean? He said, Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Feed my what? My sheep. Hey, hey, Peter. Hey, 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 hey. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Hey, hey, Peter. Hey, do you love me? Okay, cool. Feed my sheep. When was the last time you shared the gospel? I'm going crazy. My life is just nuts. Back up. Really? He saved you. He clothed you in his righteousness. He's teaching you. You're learning. He's healed you. And I'm going to keep all of it to myself. See ya. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to heaven. Woo-hoo! That 
is so selfish. Said the family member that won the lottery and gave nothing to his family. Yeah, you are going to turn into a bitter, bitter, cynical old person. Because you got all that goodness inside of you. Let it out. Pop that balloon. Let God's love flow out. If you're having a really rough day, share the gospel with somebody. I see you. I guarantee, last night was a crazy day. I had all these things I had to get done. We still weren't home. It's 9 o'clock. I still had to write my sermon. You know what I mean? <laughs> Seriously. But I'm in Best Buy, and I'm like, you guys are about to close. I need this bag. Mine broke. My laptop fell out. I was like, bro, what's that tattoo? Yahweh. I was like, do you believe in that guy? He's like, yeah. You go to church anywhere? Not really. Let me ask you a question again. Do you believe in him? <laughs> and I just said it to him. And he was like, whoa. I was like, I'm just saying. Usually people who believe in him show it. I don't know why I said that. Probably wasn't the most tactful thing. I just said, bro, I think you're awesome. I know God loves you. Just show him that you love him. He's like, you know what? i got to come to church. I was like, i got one for you if you don't have one. I said, I know the pastor. He's pretty cool. <laughs> kind of weird. I just left it at that. I didn't even tell the guy. He had to work this morning or else I would have pushed a little harder. But you know what? I walked out of Best Buy like this. <laughs> I was so man I think you're missing it I really do I mean I got more joy coming out of every orifice why because we're not suffering at times because we're not challenged no I'm scared I don't even what is God going to do I'm just hoping that he does it you know what I'm saying but I'm just going to keep sharing and he's just going to keep giving And you know what? They may think I'm crazy, but I'm not. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. In this moment, Father, we want to give you space to work. Church, the song said, I know the time is, I'm moving as quickly as I can, but God help if we go through the whole sermon and we don't make a decision. Can you step out of your comfort zone today into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is? He's holding out his hand. Yeah, I get there's waves. Yeah, I get there's giants. But he wants you. He desires you. Would you consider praying today and asking Him to help you? Help you be sane in Him. Who will come and pray? Who will come and pray? Can we do it together today? Can we just pray together? Come on down. Who will come and pray? Let's pray for our church in this next step. In this next season, come on down. Come on and pray. Will you come and pray today? God, I, I, I just want you to move. God, I want you to move in their hearts. I know they're struggling. But, but God, I know you can do something. Above what we ask. Above what we think. Come on. We're not, we're not worried about what people think. I just want to know if the church will come and pray today. That's how we're going to accomplish something. It's through prayer. Will you come? Turn and make a, an altar at your seat. Or come on down. Come on. Will you come and pray? We got a lot going on in, in the next season of our church. I think we need to come and pray together. There you go. There's one making an altar out of her seat. Will you pray? There's another. Come on down. I see many of you praying in your seat. That's good. It doesn't matter if you're here at the altar or in your seat. I just want... I want to show the devil that he's not going to sidetrack us anymore. He, he's, he's been pursuing you. He's been feeding a lie in your ear that you can't do this. I know he's doing it for me. But at some point, I had to just kick him out. 
Man, this is good. Just give it to him right now. Please pray. Pray for the future of your family, the future of your church. Pray this. I want you to pray this together. Pray that God will send someone across your path that you can share the gospel with this week. Pray specifically. Pray, God, please send someone across my path this week that I can share the gospel with. Yes, please pray. Now, while we're praying for that, I want to open it up to the congregation. Is is there someone here that has not accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior? If you're sitting here today and you say, Pastor Matt, no one's looking, everybody's praying. Pastor Matt, I, I don't know that if I died, I would go to heaven. I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus. Raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. By our testimony, we're all saved. You know what that tells me? We got work to do. We got work to do. While you're in your seat, while you're at the altar, while you're praying specifically for God to bring someone in your heart and in your mind to share the gospel with, how many of you already, the Holy Spirit has shown you who that person is that you need to share the gospel with? Whoa, there's one, two. Who else? Three. The Holy Spirit's already told you who you need to share the gospel with. Anyone else? Four, five, six. Let me just speak life into you right now. Do it. Don't put it off. Share the gospel. It will make you sane, not crazy. Take your time at the altar.